Okay. Hello, everyone. So the series continues. Now, we've been doing this since the first weekend in, uh, in September. So let me do a quick recap for you. So we started off with a welcome to the normal radical. And we watched the video of the people kind of mocking what modern day church looks like. We had our fake newsletter, and then we introduced uh, story time. We, then we looked at whose crown is it anyway, and we looked about the idea that we all have crowns, and we all have the power to please, and we can make power to please about trying to please him, or we can make it about trying to control and please ourselves. But there were people in the Bible that laid down their crown, and that's what we're called to, to lay our crown down at his feet to please him. We looked at what monkeys do before, the, the, the idea of just doing what has always been done, but we don't want any more monkey business. Um, we looked at what it was like not to be in control uh, with that game, the feeding game, and we learned the question, what pleases him? And we also looked at the challenges. When we choose to please him, we have to go through our I don't want to process. We then spent some time looking at, at money and the values that God has shown us about money. Um, I won't go through all these different questions that we, that we had at the time. Then we spent some time looking at uh, being served. We looked at the, so the scenario of, I can't remember her name now, Rebecca, I don't know, um, who, who was the sick wife, the woman that wanted to babysit, and the husband that didn't take the opportunity to um, have the kids babysit to be with his wife. We talked about, can you put conditions on your serving? We talked about the Wi-Fi that didn't work and all the different chores. We heard a dear John letter, and Anthony used some road signs to teach us about, about serving. We've also um, done a couple of workshops where we looked about reinventing the kitchen bin. We've asked ourselves lots of questions. And that's what this series is really all about. We're looking to deconstruct and reconstruct the values that God has shown us over the years and the expression of those things. So, we are through to this one today. And we've got a little soundtrack for this one. Okay, I've got the power. So we're all, everyone wants power in their life, wants control, wants to be able to bring influence. So we're going to be looking at what are the values that we've, been, that we've discovered over the years in relation to, to power and authority. So we've got a first taught on camera video clip. Choose one of the following. Leaders help me or I help leaders? I think it's a bit of both. Both. I help leaders so they can help me and others. I am helped by leaders. Leaders help me. I think it's both, isn't it? And the leaders do help you, but it's a sort of mutual relationship. Yeah, I think leaders do definitely help me, but I think it should be a two-way thing. It should be I should help leaders, but leaders also do help you. Does your supervisor, boss at work or teacher at school have spiritual authority over you? Possibly not, no. Not spiritual authority. Unless my boss happened to be the leader of the church. I wouldn't say spiritual authority, unless they're a leader in the church. We're told to submit to the governing authorities because God's put them in place. David once gave Joab an instruction 
that was evil in the sight of God. He had to do it, but he didn't do the whole task. No, because I don't know their position in God. They may not even be a Christian. That might put me off in the wrong direction or off course. No, because he doesn't share the word of God with me. No, yeah, he doesn't tell me what to believe or how to act spiritually. I don't take my leadership from him. Why might a church have lost leaders? It's too much for one person to bear all the responsibility and they need support and a sharing of the burden. They all need lots of leaders for different things and they all need help from other leaders because God has ordained leaders. Um, because that's the New Testament pattern that we find in the Bible um, because Moses had lots of leaders. It's good to have a shared leadership. You use the talents of many people. One person can't have all the talents. To be a leader is just a calling that you receive. So that it's not biased, but having it through multiple leaders helps get like different angles on the word of God. Because everybody has different ways of receiving information and people have different ways of delivering information. Because lots of people like to lead. Because God's appointed them to lead in different areas and to do different things because they've got different gifts. Okay, so... Hopefully while you were, thinking, you were watching that, you are thinking, oh, that's a good answer, I wouldn't have said that. Or you might be thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I believe that one. So it's just there to, to prompt you, to get you thinking, warm you up a little bit. Um, and we may end up presenting something on those, but right at the end, you're going to have the opportunity to text any questions that you might still have remaining. Um, we're going to do the presentation today on um, leadership and then we're going to have um, next Sunday a workshop on leadership. And then the groups during the following week will be looking at, at leadership and authority. Okay, so to warm you up a little bit, here we have our scenario for today. So let me present this to you, and then I'm going to ask you to break up into to groups to, to have a look at it. So Barbara... Is very excited about the spirit of adventure. She feels now is the time to set up a discussion group for victims of, of, of abuse. This would fall into the area of the church that Joan is responsible for. Joan and Barbara have been friends, have known each other since they were kids. Barbara would think it would be best that she reports into a member of the core team rather than Joan because they are more senior and this support group will need input from wise and experienced people. Joan is offended and believes Barbara just wants, to, wants the status of talking to the senior leaders. Oh, very controversial there. Okay, so... Here's your two questions to start off with. Is Joan right to question what Barbara's doing? How could Joan and Barbara please God in this situation? Okay, so in groups of kind of five or six where you are, I'm going to give you about uh, five to ten minutes, depends how bored you look, um, to, to have a little look at this one. Okay, go. Things are a little tense right now between Barbara and Joan. Let's see what we can do to help them. Okay, so, is Joan right to question what Barbara is doing? Okay. Oscar. Uh, I think she is right, um, because 
Okay. So what is the point of having leadership and, and position like that if just going to jump, uh, jump to that um, position? Um, do you want to have a go at answering that question? What is the point of having Joan in that position? you want to have a crack? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> OK, someone else from Yuri Courage. Do you want to have a go at answering why there might be a, a second layer of leaders? Josiah. Um, I have an answer, and it also answers how could Joan and Barbara please is go it, in this is situation. It more importantly, is it answering my question? Okay, well, what I think um, the point is of Joan having this role is even if Barbara is going to the more senior people, what Joan could do as a friend and someone in that position, she could offer to help with this because she's responsible for it. Okay, so, so it's, it's a, someone that's closer that's able to help think through and bring what she can as a friend. Good, okay. Right, someone else. Is Joan right to question what Barbara's doing? Anyone, any age, want to try and... Okay, Naomi. So we were saying that she might, um, she might be right, but there's something wrong in her motive because she's offended and she believes Barbara just wants the status of talking to senior leaders. So there's something wrong in her, in her heart that's going on because okay. she's putting a motive on someone else and she doesn't know that's the case. Okay, all right. So now if we were to kind of, while we're on that particular point, let's answer number two in regard to Joan in that situation. Say you've just spoken to Joan... And Joan says, well, she's just doing this because of that. How do you help her please God in that situation? So Joan's taking a position or taking an assumption. Dave, quick, Andrew, watch the wires. I mean, I think we were saying, apart from kind of all the various power and leadership dynamics, Joan and Barbara sorting out their relationship and what's going on is very important. So Joan needs to speak to Barbara about this. Um, and so, and if they can't sort it out, then they both need to go to the senior leadership team to sort it out because that that's more important than whatever's happening with the project. Okay. Now, what advice, Dave, would you give Joan at that particular point in time when she's just said, "Barbara's just doing this because of this"? Um. So, if you said, "Barbara, go, uh, Joan, go talk to Barbara." Would you give her any advice on how she approaches Barbara? I'd say, how do you know that she thinks that? Okay. And I'd want to see what Joan had to say about that. And if it's just, I've got a feeling in my bones, mm -hmm. then really is that... If you've got any evidence behind that, is that just kind of something you've come out with because you're offended, perhaps? Okay. Which... Uh, do you remember when we did a review Sunday? Nathan answered a question in terms of judgment. And is it okay to judge or not judge? And what do we mean by judgment? I think this is quite an interesting opportunity to look at that again because Joan has taken a position where she's assuming a motive. Now, when it talks about judgment in the Bible, that's what I think that the Bible really is warning us against, to assume that we know the motive or the work of someone's heart because the Bible warns us we don't even know our own motives of our hearts. But if Joan says to Barbara... Is this what's going on? It's no longer left to a judgment. It's now asking the person to be part, of, be part of the exploration. So it's not putting something. It's offering a question to draw her out. 
If she just said, this is what you're doing, and therefore I'm having this reaction to, towards you, that is the, the judgment that I believe the Bible's warning us against. But she's right to question what's going on. And that's, that's the thing. Is that it, she's right to question, but how do we do that in a way that we're not already passing judgment, but yet we've seen behavior that doesn't match what we believe is right? If we said, oh, you can't, you can't even look at people's behavior and draw any questions from it, the Bible warns us against taking that position. It talks about in the Bible making, make, taking action when people have fallen. If you can't, or if, if that's judging, then how can we ever call each other on something in order to see people corrected and rebuilt in God? Okay. Um, any other answers for is Joan right to question what Barbara is doing? Okay. Andrew? Andrew, you can't sit down. Come on, run, run. I think Joan's right to question, but she's wrong to judge. Mm-hmm. She's right to question because if she's been given the responsibility by the church, then surely if anyone's joining her in the venture, you know, they should be answerable to her. Mm-hmm. But I think the stance that she's taken in that she's become offended and judgmental, yeah. well, it puts them both in the wrong, doesn't okay. it? Okay, yeah. So good. it needs someone older and wiser and further up the line to yeah. them out. Okay, Steve? So actually, the thing that was coming to my mind was actually in that situation is you've also got to question what um, Barbara's relationship with the core team. Because if actually if she's secure and trusting in the position, then actually if somebody goes to the core team that seems to be going round through it, it doesn't actually matter because she's got that trust and that, that the core team's going to come back to her. So there's an issue there. Okay. So you, you would say that that reaction also shows an insecurity in, in, in Joan in that, that, that position. Okay. Um, Joan could say um, to Barbara, oh, I've, I've heard this matter, you've raised this matter with the core leadership. If there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. Okay. Not um, taking a uh, stance, but coming in um, to serve and help. Okay, yeah. And that, that, that's a very humble position because the focus is how can we help God... What's our role in bringing what God wants us to achieve in this situation? It's not about Barbara wants to be the big dog or I want to be the big dog. It's how do we work together to achieve what God's called for us to do? That would be how Joan and Barbara should be looking to please God. How do we do what, you, what God wants us to do in team and not let these things get in the way? Because God's called us out of this. Okay, right. Part two. So Barbara says she prefers talking to Joel, who's one of the core team, because he seems more compassionate than Joan when discussing how to help those, um, how to help those coming for the support group. Okay. So why do we have areas of responsibility within the church, just like Joan's, Joan's got? Um, is it okay that Barbara prefers, to, prefers Joel's style over Joan's? Okay, so I give you like 30 seconds, well, one minute to talk about that, and then I grab some answers. Okay, right, let's get some... That was only a short one, so I want quick answers. 
Oh my goodness, this is... I shouldn't have given them even a minute. Okay, shush! Why do we have areas of responsibility in the church? 16 plus. Let me see a 16 plus. As in, you were in the group called 16 plus, not... And I'm 38, I'm 16 plus. Any 16 plus groupers? Oh, okay, Jamie. We sort of said that we have areas of responsibility within the church because God gives us those responsibilities. Okay. Well, it's kind of a cop-out answer, really, but... uh, Anyone want to kind of add a little bit to that? Why do we have areas of responsibility in the church? Is it just we love bureaucracy? Okay, Josiah? Did you have your hand up? I didn't see a hand. Josiah? Um... It's because some people are better than one thing at others. It, it just keeps a good system running. Okay. So some people do have gifted in different areas. If you've noticed, I've never led worship on a Sunday morning. Um, it could be that I've just not had the chance, but I, I don't think that's the reason. Yeah, we have different giftings, and it's about recognising and putting people into those areas of strength. Oscar? I feel like maybe if Joel's, even if Joel's more compassionate, maybe Joan's uh, approach is better for getting things done. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, so they have areas of responsibility because Joel, because Joan is more like okay. specialised. So in you're kind that of answering area. the next question. Okay, yeah. right, with you. Sorry, I looked at you blankly for a second. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so you're. So just because she prefers Joan's style doesn't necessarily mean that that's right, okay? Um, oh, you've completely knocked me off track. <laughs> Any other question, answers to number three in terms of why do we have areas of responsibility? Hannah? I think because God has called us to serve, and so we serve in different areas. Okay, yeah, good. I think, I think we also see the idea of team, that we all, we all have something to bring. Uh, there's plenty of examples in the Bible where God has uh, brought up leaders to be able to achieve the things that we're called to achieve, um, because it's all too great for one man. And we always believe in the priesthood of all believers that we all have a role to, to lead and bring forward. Okay, um, let me just uh, do some points that, that I thought about here. Um, you're right, Andrew, I won't make you run. You can just put the mic back from there. Um, my, my warning to Joan in all this, you can't be guarded and protect your area as this, if this is something of, of your, your ministry that you want to own. Everything that we do in leadership capacity and, and serving is about serving him, do it unto him. In the same way, Barbara can't go about trying to build up her own ministry. It's about serving whoever she's been given to serve. And if that's Joan at this point, then she's got to do that with everything that she has. We don't have an option to decide, I'll submit to you, but I won't submit to, submit to her, if we've made a decision to submit to God. If we're submitted to God, it doesn't matter who he puts us to serve. David had to serve a Saul because that's where God put him. Saul was trying to kill him. Joan's not trying to kill Barbara, but yet God holds that responsibility for us. We've got to serve who we're given to. And part of that is recognising 
God, are you choosing to speak through this person into my life? Because if that's what you're choosing to do, I'm looking to hear your voice through this person. I can't take up an issue with the way that they look at me or the way that they smile or their, their style if there's something about God's got the goods that I need and it's coming through this person. I think there, there is a, a, a warning that we need to look at. Do we like talking to people with status? Do we like to know we're talking to the top dog? Dad, dad uh, remembers a time where um, there was a travelling... Was it a travelling preacher or a healer was praying for people and people had made lines to come up to pray. And when the woman in, the, in Dad's line looked up and realised it was him, she switched lines. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you think about it, that's really bizarre because... She was thinking that that person was the source of her healing. But he would just be a channel, like Dad could be a channel. We look to God, and so God can use whichever routes that he wants to use. And it's about, do, do I believe that I can hear God in this situation? I think Joan has the opportunity. Does she want to make it all right and sort out the system, or does she want to win Barbara? Is it about a person or is it about making sure that the, the system is followed and the process is followed? I think that we never want to be that focused. We want to be about the people. And, and we want to see Barbara come through into all that God's called her to and therefore the people that she's going to be reaching through a discussion group. We want to see the flow of God's grace reaching those people and setting them free. You don't ever want to clamp down on things because it doesn't fit the process or the procedure. I would question if the objection that, that Barbara is bringing out here is a matter of a style. If Joan lacks compassion, that's not about style, that's about God's love. And I can't just sidestep someone if I think that they don't love right, because that's a, that's a, that's a key thing to being in relationship with God. So I've got to challenge that and don't just put it down to style. I want to see Joan come to a place of having more compassion. Why do we report in? Why do we have places of responsibility? As I mentioned, it's all about seeking God's mind and getting God's resources to achieve what he wants us to achieve. And there's a position of humility. With the the responsibility I have with the youth work, I will talk uh, to to my dad about what's going on, um, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the normal stuff... (coughs) Because I know that I don't have all that I need to be able to help the young people in my care. And I take that responsibility very seriously because I know that God uses leadership very seriously. And so I want to make sure that I'm getting all that I need to be able to bring the changes. And sometimes that can be very simple advice of, well, why don't you stop it half an hour earlier if everyone looks bored? Or it could be something really spiritual, <laughs> as if the other thing's not spiritual. Um, it could be, well, we've got, to, we've got to push through and really see God meet with the young people in this, in this manner. And so I report in, not because I have to, but because I know that I need to. And God's built me in such a way and built us in a way. And I also know reporting in is about me expressing my submission to God through the people that he's given me to express that to. Okay, right. Jen, come teach us today. 
So Jem's going to give us a quick overview of our values on leadership. Cool. So I was uh, frantically trying to get a PowerPoint ready for today, and I succeeded, but then my uh, USB didn't work this morning. So we're without a PowerPoint, sadly, but I'll do my best to make it clear. So, um, so yeah, talking about authority and where that comes from, the three main points that I want to emphasize in this very short 10-minute slot is, number one, all authority belongs to God. Uh, number two, authority, however it's expressed, is the means by which God perfects us. Uh, it's how he brings about the restoration of all things in the earth, and it's how he forms us into his image. Um, so all the things we looked at so far, all of the expressions of authority and leadership, that's the end goal. It's all about forming us into his image and making us like him and restoring all things. And the third point is that we're meant to be under authority, and we're also meant to carry authority in order to serve. So that's all of us. All of us are meant to be under it. All of us are meant to, to carry some measure of authority in order to serve. And so I want to look at where it all began. So if you look at creation, right from creation, um, God's intention was to have sons and daughters who he could trust with his authority. And that's so close to his heart. That was his, his desire, to be able to trust his children uh, with his authority. And, and that's why we're not robots. That's why we're not slaves, just... Uh, mindlessly obeying God because he wants us to, to have that privilege. And that's what we had. He gave us dominion over everything that he created. Um, and the enemy at this point had no authority. Um, but since he deceived Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve obeyed him, it was as if they were giving that authority over to the enemy. He didn't take it from them, but it's like humanity gave the authority to the enemy. It says in Romans 6.16, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obeyed. And Adam and Eve, and all of us, we have in some way obeyed sin. We've given that authority over to the enemy. But this was Jesus' mission. This is why he came to earth. It was to live in complete uh, submission to God, complete obedience, and to win back on behalf of all mankind that authority and that dominion over the earth. And there's a wonderful passage in Philippians. I don't know if it's possible to get it up. Philippians 2 5.11, which underlines a lot of this process, which says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So here we see the ultimate act of humility from Jesus, the ultimate act of obedience. He was in the form of God. He was completely in the form of God, but he humbled himself and said, I'm going to submit to God on behalf of all mankind, going to the cross. Um, and because of this, God was able to raise him up and give him that name that is above every other name. And that is why Matthew 28, 18 says, All authority on, in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus speaking. He says, all authority has been given to me. So when we're talking about authority, the enemy hasn't got any. Jesus has it all. And God delights in delegating it to us, to our complete surrender and submission to him. And just like Jesus, when we're operating in a measure of authority or leadership, um, our intention is to serve. Our intention is to be humble, just like he did, to empty ourselves, to become 
a servant like Jesus was. So I want to talk about what this submission to Jesus actually means. What does it mean to submit to his authority? And this is the interesting thing, as we've looked at already, um, because it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Submitting to God isn't something that just happens between me and him off in a monastery somewhere or off on a mountaintop. It happens in relationship with other people. It has to involve other people. It happens in the nitty-gritty of life. And it happens through us submitting to those leaders that God has put in our life to lead us. And there are so many New Testament examples for this. Um, I think it was uh, David Ackerman who referred to the... It's just a biblical principle in the New Testament of having leaders. But there are so many uh, references, which I did have on the PowerPoint, but I'll just rattle through them very quickly. Um, so 1 Peter 5.5, 5, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself with humility. 1 Peter 2.13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Romans 13.12, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. Titus 3.1, Paul's talking to Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work. And he goes on and on and on. Um, there are many of, these, uh, many of these verses. So clearly it's something very important to God's heart. He's reiterating it again, again and again in his word. And this submitting to Jesus means submitting to loving, serving, and honoring those he's chosen to give responsibility and authority to on earth. Um, and the other point that it's good to remember is it's from this place, as Jamie's mentioned, that grace and blessing flow. So when we're in that right relation to God and right relation to our leaders... That's where God can pour the richness of his blessing and his grace upon us. And there's a wonderful story in the Gospels that I just want to talk about briefly that illustrates this. Um, so Jesus is going along, he's going into a town, and a centurion comes up to him and asks him to come and heal his servant. And the centurion says to Jesus, just say the word, let my servant be healed, because I too am a man set under authority and I have soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. And Jesus marvels at this centurion's faith, and he makes an example of it. He says, look, this guy gets it. This guy understands the system. And I think it's so interesting, this story, because the centurion doesn't say, I know you have amazing authority, Jesus. Come and heal my servant. He says, I can see that you're a man set under authority, and I think many people looked at Jesus and thought, wow, this man had amazing authority. He's got incredible authority. He's casting out demons. He's healing people. Many people could see that. But the centurion looked beyond and didn't just see Jesus' authority, but he saw the great authority that Jesus was under because he knew that if Jesus was exercising this level of authority, he had to be submitted to something far greater. I think this is what Jesus marveled at. And what we see in this story is that because of that recognition, the centurion the centurion's servant was healed. Uh, the grace and blessing of God flowed into his household because he recognized that. And I actually believe the words of the centurion are almost a prophetic statement over the church. Um, I think we're all called to be set under authority. I think we're all called to have a measure of authority. I think that's what delights God when he can trust us with that. Um, and it's how he perfects us. And I just want to share two stories, three stories actually briefly if I have time, uh, that illustrate this in my life. Uh, the first story involves my phone. I used to have a really rubbish phone for many, many years. I refused to get a new one. It was an old Nokia, and I really loved it. It did everything I needed it to do. Uh, and even when everybody else was getting smartphones, I stuck to my old Nokia phone. And I had all these principles about, oh, you know, I don't want to have that much information in my pocket at all times. I want to kind of cut myself off from the internet. And 
Um, I didn't want to constantly be checking my email and all that kind of stuff. And I remember somewhere along the line on this journey, Jamie came to me and said, yeah, just, just wondering about your phone. I'm wondering about smartphones. Maybe it'd be a good idea to get a smartphone. Do you think that, that might be a good idea? Think about it. And so I thought, gosh, really? A smartphone? God, is this what you're saying? And I went, to, I went and prayed about it. I asked God about it. I was wrestling with it and grappling with it. And the months went by and the weeks went by. And ultimately, I did nothing. I didn't get a new phone. And in my, my head, I was kind of rationalizing that I was praying about it and being holy. But really, I wasn't completely listening to Jamie in that situation. Um, thankfully, God actually intervened. And some visiting people from another country uh, who were around at the time, and I got to know them through the time they were here, they decided they were going to bless me and give me a gift. And on the day they left, they handed me this gift, and it was a brand-new smartphone. <laughs> and so clearly God intervened in that situation. But what happened was that smartphone released a whole measure of blessing and resources into my life that my other old phone didn't have. And I recognized in that moment that Jamie could see something because he was my leader that I couldn't see. And God, in his desire to perfect me and to shape me and to make me into his image, as we've seen, wanted to use Jamie to lead me. And so from that point, I was like, I need to be more serious about submitting to Jamie's authority and recognizing I need to listen when he suggests something. I don't need to just think about it and mull it over and wait a couple of months until God intervenes and forces the issue. I need to actually be quick to respond in that situation. Another situation, I can remember I was talking to John, and John just said, hmm, maybe you should learn to drive. And I kind of thought, that sounds like another nudge. That sounds like another nudge, like the phone nudge. And so from that moment, I was like, I'm going to have to do this. And uh, I haven't done it yet, but <laughs> I'm going to learn to drive. Um, I will do it, honestly. Um, you will see me driving before too long. But that's another example. I don't know what driving is going to release into my life, but I know there are blessings and there's grace in that simple life decision uh, that God wants to release to me that I wouldn't have got had I not been listening to John. And so this is the way it works. This is the way submission to leadership works. Final example I want to share um, is a bit earlier on in my life. When I came uh, back from uni, I was full of anxiety. I was full of fear. I was paralyzed by my fear. I spent a lot of time in the house. I rarely went out. I came to church, but I was often late, and I would leave the minute the meeting finished. Didn't want to talk to anyone. Didn't care about anyone. Um, and somewhere at that point in my life, Jamie came up to me and asked me to be a youth leader. And I was baffled. I was like, why would you pick me to be a youth leader? I'm just the, the worst candidate you could possibly imagine. Um, but again, Jamie saw something beyond what I could see. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to do that? Am I going to say yes and serve Jamie as a youth leader, as part of what he was doing at the time with the youth? Or am I just going to say, no, I'm all right on my own. I'm kind of going to church. I've got a relationship with God. That's cool. Um, I'll just muddle along for a little while. And I made a decision there, and I believe God was involved, to say, yes, I'm going to be a youth leader. And at that moment, I went from over here to stepping under Jamie's leadership and ultimately under John's leadership uh, and, and God's leadership for the youth. And at that moment, grace was released into my life and all kinds of blessings and teachings that would eventually lead to my healing. And God led me on a journey of complete freedom from anxiety and OCD. And so I know that for me, that healing, that shaping, that development, that perfection would not have happened had I not been in that relation to God. And when we step into God's leadership, that's when he says, I can trust this person, just like Jesus. I've humbled myself. I've said, I'm going to serve you. 
and God says, I can use this guy. And that's when he gives us responsibility ourselves. So to return to the beginning, all authority belongs to God. It's the means by which he perfects us, and it's how he brings about the restoration of all things. And we're all meant to be under it, and we're all meant to carry it in order to serve God's people and to play a part in his work. That was a very good summary. <laughs> Don't think I could have done that so good. Um, yeah, just hit. I know it's not really the subject, but just thinking about where God's brought Jeremy and how the the role that we have in leadership can be part of the things that see that that release. But gosh, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> so I'll be, be with you in a second. Um, I, it just helps kind of bring it back to what it's all about. That it's about being, being channels to see what God wants to do. And um, seeing where Jeremy's come from to where he is now is just a constant reminder of God's heart. And we can, leadership can become all kinds of weird complicated relationships, but that's what it's about. It's, it's channels to get God's goodness into the lives of, of people. Okay, now saying that, we're going to have a, a clip from What's Your Question? So I want you to listen to this audio clip. It's two and a half minutes, and I want you to think, how would you help Betty? And I'm going to try and follow along on the PowerPoint... Hello and welcome back to this morning's edition of What's Your Question? Our daily phone-in for Christians who have particular questions about living their life the Christian way. Our first caller is Betty Walpole. Hello, Betty. Oh, hi. Yeah, can I, can I go ahead? Mm-hmm. I have a question. Our church uses the term about leaders speaking into our lives. OK. And your question is? Well, it's this. Isn't that just a case of leaders wanting to control your life? Okay. Now, what makes you say that? Have you any examples of this in practice? Yeah, actually, I have. Um, The other day, my fiancé, as it happened, proposed to me. Oh, congratulations. I presume you said yes? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, I found out that he had to get permission from his church leaders in order to get married. Now, he's been in the church for eight years, and I've only just joined... But I think that's a step too far. Why should he have to get his leader's permission to get married? I mean, that seems to me like an abuse of power. Mm. Permission is a strong word, Betty. What was the nature of the conversation that Ed had with his leaders? Well, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. All I know is he had to have a meeting to discuss it. I mean, that sounds like they're on a power trip. So you're not exactly sure he had to get permission? Well, as I said, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly, but uh, it seems that way to me. Mind you, he doesn't seem that bothered by it. Mm, and have you spoken to your fiancé about this? Well, not, not really yet. Um, I, I'm very put out, though, and I, and I thought I wanted to talk to you first. And have you spoken to your leaders of your church? No, no. Do you know, I don't really know them. Mm. I did the foundation course, uh, but now that I'm part of the church and now the rubber hits the road, it just seems like some of them have, have let the power go to their heads. OK, let me backtrack a bit here. 
Might I suggest that it would be really good for you to discuss this with your fiancé first and also to chat it through with the leaders themselves? Certainly talking to your fiancé would help your future relationship. Well, I don't know about that. I'm just not sure that the leaders will want to hear my point of view. I mean, I feel so strongly about it that I don't think I'm going to stay calm. I'm not, and I'm not convinced that I'm going to be heard. I, I just think they've let the power go to their heads. OK, well, thank you, Betty, for those thoughts. It certainly gives us all something to chew on. So let's go to our next caller. His name is Abdul Rahman, and he wants to know about the ordination of dogs. <laughs> OK, so... Betty is obviously a little bit anxious about leaders abusing their power. What advice would you give Betty? Okay, any, any suggestions? Just not to assume the worst, like not to assume anything really, but she's assuming the worst of both her fiancé and the leadership here really. Okay, so she's not even giving them the chance to explain what was going on. That, that's what we were talking about earlier about judging. Okay, Paul? Sort of the same really, but I, I, I often think when people think negatively, switch it around. What if it was positive? And think what... Think out in your head what could be the example of if that meeting was positive. What if your fiance had gone to them with a positive frame of mind? What have they got to input? And what if the the point of view of the leaders was to encourage um, the the right start of a relationship and all those sorts of things? I think sometimes we can get in that negative mindset, and sometimes if you flip it round, there can be a whole different story. Mm. The point is, she doesn't know the story, mm. but she's choosing a negative one. Flip it round. Make make up a positive story and then decide which one you like best. OK. <laughs> All right, good. Good advice. Anyone else? I'd be asking her, does she trust God? And does she believe that God has given her this fiancé and this church? And um, maybe just exploring trust a little bit. Mm -hmm. OK, yeah. Uh, Richard? I just think this shows how assuming things is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think as a, a friend to her, she, you know, if you can help her realise that as soon as you start playing games in your head and letting, letting your head, your thoughts go down particular paths, you know, that is quite dangerous. Mm -hmm. And as a good friend, you know, you know challenge and, and say, come on, let's mm -hmm. be, talk to your fiancé, yeah. find out what really happened. Mm -hmm. OK, yeah. What about... If she was right, what if they are on a power trip? Would you have any advice for her? What if the worst dream that she had, the nightmare that she had, was true? She needs to get to know her fiancé, really. You know, she's only just recently joined the church and, and she's already got this mistrust. It's not a really good um, relationship to go into. Is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying good luck to the fiancé right now, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a lot in the terms of, of, of trust. But what, what would you say to her if, if she said, you know what, my, I think I, I believe I've found evidence to prove my worst fears? What? John? Get out of Dodge quick. Okay. Run away. I, I heard a no. There's no. You just get out. You'd run away. No, that's not running away. Sorry, I, I couldn't hear what you said. 
Get out, don't run away. Okay, you're going to have to explain that one then. Running away implies that you're not facing up to the situation and dealing with it. You might need to go and deal with something, but then you might need, you know, you need to park up. Okay, talk to me about how would you deal with it? So you, you try. Andrew, let him have the, the mic. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would suggest anyone do in this situation, you keep their mouth shut in the first place. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm thinking that if they are on a power trip, that does need to be discussed. Or she assumes that, that does need to be discussed with them. And if the evidence is strong enough, then yeah, as John says, get out, dodge quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not running away. Mm-hmm. That's assessing a situation, deciding this isn't the place where God is putting me. This isn't where the place where I'm supposed to be. Um, running away implies that you are not facing up to a challenge. Mm-hmm. Put, put your hand up if you're in any type of leadership. Keep your hand up if you've ever made a mistake in that position of leadership. <laughs> Keep your hand up if someone's ever corrected you when you've been in a position of leadership. You're all still alive. You all still survive. Even leaders will make mistakes. Even leaders need to be loved enough to hear God and make corrections. Perhaps Betty might have the opportunity to bring a correction to help people hear God. She's not going to ever get there unless she's willing to believe that she could be used by God and... God could use her leaders. But right now, I would be asking Betty, do you trust God? Are you willing to believe that he puts leaders in your life to help you change, grow? The kind of stuff that Jeremy was talking about. Look, that's, that's the real... That's what God had designed, that leaders bring release into the things that God's called us to. Betty doesn't seem to be seeing that right now. Okay, thank you very much, Andrew, for running. I used this part of this diagram before, but I just thought it would be helpful just to think of it in concept of of leaders, recognising that that God is the source of all resource that we need, and he has designed things to work through leaders. And so when we take a position of, well, I, I don't like them, I'm not prepared to listen to them, I won't submit to them, we're actually not putting our bucket underneath the channel that God might be using. And so we have to work hard to keep those channels of communication open. And the enemy loves to clamp down on them, to to cause doubt, to help bring thoughts to mind, help us take offence to things that cut off that supply line that God uses. Have a think. Is there any relationship with a leader that you have that's under stress right now, is that okay to leave it in the situation it is in? Or does there need to be something that you choose to do about it? Okay, we've got a story time now. So here's nine new stories. Uh, Dad, if you come and take the seat. Give you... 10 seconds to pick a story that you want to hear and uh, Dad will tell you the story related to it. Okay, Eureka Rage. i get you second, Jacob. Uh, just, oh, you've done them all. Okay. 
scrap evangelism, let's make money. I'm not sure if you'll know which one this one is. <laughs> All right, slight change of title. Uh, yeah, we had some marvellous evangelistic programmes and we covered a huge range. I mean, some of you would have been involved in them. Uh, I think we had the best evangelistic programs anywhere. I mean, we did evangelistic fire eating. I don't think we did evangelistic belly dancing, but we, we, we covered a huge range. The problem was we had a diminishing number of people to evangelize. So we were in the course of thinking about that when God spoke to us and said uh, something completely different. And you've heard the phrase, many of you, many times, serve the community in the needs of the community at the expense of the community. And we realized that God wanted us to get involved closely with people, not evangelize them, but to come alongside and serve them and help them. But that the way that that should happen would be uh, not by uh, funded from tithes and offerings, but basically it should be a standalone business situation. So it wasn't quite... What's the thing there? I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't scrap evangelism, make money. But because he said to us it had to be a standalone, obviously a business is not a business unless it makes money. So, yeah. Okay. Jacob. Okay. You told us to stand still while being mugged. (laughs) These titles have got... Poetic license. All right. So we started off with this, and we were given advice uh, as we started to serve the community. The advice was, stay small, keep quiet, don't challenge anything, and you'll be okay. If you begin to ask questions or grow bigger, you will have problems. Keep your head below the parapet. But because of what God had said to us, we were part of what he gave to, given to us was that we were to challenge systems. We soon saw that um, a lot of money was being spent by the government to empower people and programs were being delivered and people were staying unempowered. And we realised that there was things that needed to be challenged. And so we started to ask questions and we discovered that in the area there was a kind of cartel of... um, organizations delivering those sort of programs and so we began to get into trouble and we had contracts cancelled and uh, kicked off of this committee or this thing so I was ready for that it's okay great contract cancelled we'll sue Uh, we can we can make money on this we can deal with this we'll screw them into the ground I happened to be in Australia at the time And, of course, there's a very big time difference. So it wasn't the easiest thing to do. But it didn't stop God speaking. And he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So we had to do nothing, which went against the grain for me because I was up for a fight. But do nothing. Do you know, within 18 months, the very people that had tried to wipe us out, we were subbing business to because God is faithful to his word. Okay, 
Sue. Oh, yeah. Um, I took us on an adventure with Richard Cole. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we'd been ministering in the States. We were in a hotel in Northern California, and I got a phone call from Sierra Leone, Richard Cole. And he said, uh, in the work that we're doing, already reaching out to uh, children affected by war, then uh, the government, which all the government could do with the child soldiers at that time was basically lock them up in, in like in cages. Uh, I saw the condition. It was pretty horrific. He said, but in the light of what we're doing, the government is saying they will give us this school, but they don't have any money. Um, will, can we partner together in that? And yes, it was an adventure because as he asked that question, it's one of those times I've, I felt God say, trust me and I will demonstrate my unrestrained power. And of course, everything that happened since then, many of you know about, but just major involvement that carries on until this day, simply because God spoke and we acted on what he said. When you make that kind of decision, are you... Do you see that you're taking all of us with you? Afraid, yes. Does that make you slower to make those decisions? Faster or indifferent? <laughs> I wish it was indifferent. No, it's not that. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's slower or faster. If you hear God and you're committed to do what he says, um, then, you, then you get on and do it. You, you can't determine those things based on consequences. You don't ignore consequences, but, you know, you're hearing God. And, uh, I mean, sometimes it's, we're in a situation where we hear God together. Those two things, I happen to be on my own, but um, generally speaking, we would expect to hear God together and things like that. But, no, it doesn't make any difference to the speed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> The leadership will arrange your marriage. Yeah. Many, a number of years ago, there was a doctrine that came out, um, which we never got involved with, but some of the people that we knew did. And it was a very heavy leadership authority thing. And I remember these people who we, we knew of, but not associated with, making a boast, a pastor making a boast, no, no marriage in our church will ever fail. Why is that? Because we tell people who they're going to marry. And I thought, hmm, that, that sounds rather different to the kind of authority and leadership that we see as being biblical and scriptural and representing God's heart. Uh, it completely removes the responsibility of an individual to hear God from themselves. In fact, it's a great danger of inventing a new mediator between God and man other than Jesus himself. So that's about wrong leadership influence. Okay, last one, Jill. Um, John, this prayer just isn't us. John, this prayer just isn't us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this is a funny one. Some of you might remember this. goes back a while. But I don't know where I came upon it, but 
I came upon this written prayer about praying, f- praying for money. Well, we don't tend to do written prayers. We don't tend to do American written prayers. And we don't tend to pray for money in that way. But I really felt that although it was counterculture, this is what God was saying. And so we had to almost sort of grind our teeth to pray it. Can any of you remember praying that prayer? You can. But, of course, it was something God was giving us and teaching us. And the outcome of that was totally amazing. I mean, just God wanted to flow some money in us and, and show us uh, that he was God uh, in that remarkable way. And that was one of the occasions where you had to push through even though there was a little yeah, resistance. It, it wasn't the most popular thing I've ever come up with, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Uh, what I want to do now is uh, just want to give you a minute to text through any questions that you have, particularly around leadership, but it can be broader than that. Um, and I will make sure that we cover them uh, either on the, in the question log um, or in the next couple of sessions that we have on leadership. So start the timer now, if you would. Um, so te- text through a question. Um, if you haven't seen the question log... Um, it was, there was a link to it in the nutshell or, the, or the, the bulletin. So you can see all of the questions that have been asked. There's 86 of them, and they've all been allocated to be dealt with somewhere. So if you want to track your question and know why it's not been answered yet, that will be where it's getting answered. But it's also for an opportunity for you guys to be involved in the questions. Okay, great. Uh, feel free to keep putting text through... But also, um, you can uh, put them on the Facebook site, then other people get gets a chance to comment on it. Right. Uh, Dad, if you want to come. Okay, so we're coming just to the end now of that, that session. Um, there's two things, really, that we're looking at uh, today, but they're joined. That's power. Um, what was that title? I want the power or... I've got the power, and associating that with leadership. And yes, it is connected. Um, in the, in a, an extreme case, remember Jesus said, I have the power, or sometimes translated authority, to lay down my life and to take it up. And as Jeremy was uh, going through uh, explaining to us, God requires us to live under that power and authority, but also to operate within it. And that's part of the whole realm of leadership, uh, where we talk about authority and submission. Well, I don't know what you think about this, but I want to tell you a little story about what happened when we went to Keith and Cherish. Um, We drove up. And they came to the door. And they seemed exceptionally pleased to see us. And we didn't think anything of it. Very quickly, they said, we have something to tell you. Five minutes before you arrived, a large sum of money that had been held up has been released to us. We believe that this is to do with you coming. 
And I thought, well, yeah, that's nice. Can I go somewhere else? You know. <laughs> but you see, when I stop to think about it, we talk about a breakthrough anointing. Dawn and I went there on the basis that we wanted to have impact and we wanted to see what God would do in that situation. Now, I have to tell you, there was serious sacrifice involved. I mean, for some people, you wouldn't understand this. But this meant my wife giving up two shopping days. I mean, no greater sacrifice of a woman than this to give up two shopping days. Okay, there are sacrifice involved. But I don't know. If we ask God for things, and we, this wasn't in our thinking at all, can we expect that God might use us? I mean, this is what Keith and Cherry believe. I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm kind of, you know, neutral on it. But whatever it is, the expectation that God will empower us as we serve him and submit to him to actually move in power, to have an effect, to have an influence for him and for his purpose. It brings me back to this. It brings me not to the fact that we need the kind of power we just talked about, the authority which is completely corrupt and wrong. But we need that flow of authority, that flow of power, which somehow transcends the natural. That which we get, as we started off this morning, when, when God promised to fill us with the Holy Spirit, he said, you will have power, some ability that comes from him, an anointing that comes from him. Whether it's in our everyday life, whether it's in the things that he gives us to do. I know what I feel. I feel, you know what, if this is part of the promise of God, if this is what's on offer, I mean, Ephesians 3, the promise according to his power at work in us. Great and precious promises. According to his power at work. You know what I feel? I think I'd like more of that. I'd like more of effectiveness, more power to influence. Not because of the strength of personality or position, but because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anybody feel like that? That's how I'd like us to finish. And we'll carry on on Tuesday. But I'd like us to finish today with that sense of, you know, I believe there is more than what I'm currently carrying. It's up to you. But I'm going to pray and I'll join you in the prayer if that's what you'd like. If you want to be joined in the prayer, stand with me. Lord, we see your promises. We hear your word. We're asking you for something. And Lord... We dare to ask you for it, for now. Because, Lord, what we see of your promise, what we see of your provision, why would we want it next Thursday? So we ask, Lord, right now, that you would release the power of your Holy Spirit 
and grant us that increased measure, that increase in filling, that renewing, that refreshing, which is not just about a passing experience, although we enjoy those times, but Lord, it's about receiving what you've purposed, receiving your power, that power to influence, that power to be a witness, that power to make a difference. Lord, we just wait on you to receive that from you at this time. Just come, Lord, please. Come and just rest that upon us.